Hello everyone, can you hear me? Are you there? Can you hear me? Can you hear noises? Mr. Tim Dunn, hello. <laughs> On earth are you, you should be resting. <laughs> right, I can I have I've plugged myself in. I have the various bits of equipment here. I think everyone can see pictures. I've just bought poured myself some water so I can be hydrated. It's it's all happening, everyone. Hello, hello. Right. Um, we don't have a guest, so there's no like preamble, and I, you know I I don't have an excuse to just sort of witter on. Um, without further ado, basically, what time is it? Nineteen oh one. Everyone can hear me. There's lots of people here saying hello. Oh, it's lovely to see you all. Uh, what a day it's been. I've just been doom scrolling, and uh, generally, uh, anyway. But contrary to the to the theme uh, of tonight's episode, this is actually going to be, I hope, a kind of an optimistic one. Um, I really hope it is. So, um, this is all about today's is going to be really audience participationy. I hope it's going to be harking back to the original days of Rail Natter when it was just me, uh, just just me with the webcam on my face the whole time, big face from start to finish. In any case, let's crack on with the news before we um, go through the uh, the credits. So, uh, yes, the, what is on the news? Well, um, let's see. Yes. Leeds Mass Transit, hooray! Um, this this looks uh, this, this looks good. It's a it's a good report. Um, I, I'm I'm quite pleased about it. Uh, I think I appeared on BBC Look North about twenty minutes ago talking about it. Actually, uh, yeah, it's good, and I, I'm definitely going to do go through this in a few episodes of Rail Natter uh, and do a page turn of the document behind this. I'm hoping that I can get a PDF of it because at the moment it's on a funny HTML5 sort of hosted thing. In fact, it's here. It looks like this. Here it is. Uh, it's nice. It's a good document. I look, look at the pages turning. Isn't that snazzy? But um, look, it's, it's going to have growth and boost. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. Tackle climate emergency is up there. And uh, this is good. And this is good. And so on. It's good. It's actually good. Lots of good things. Uh, we'll, we'll do a proper page turn of it. Um, but, uh, but for now, it's good. I'm, I'm pleased with it. So, um, so, that's, that's, so I'm pleased about that. That's, that's good news. Less good news. Uh, East-West Rail. <laughs> Some of you might have noticed me uh, moaning about this announcement. It hit the news in a big way for no reason um, earlier this week because Grant Shapps announced that it was announced the funding that already had been announced last year, and uh, also essentially re-announced that it wasn't being wired inadvertently, and also inadvertently, or rather, tried to sneak through the fact that it's being delivered, uh, or at least the Western phase is being delivered a year late. So. Um, Yes, Mr. Tim Dunn asks, uh, points out, if there isn't a Wakefield tram named after Jane MacDonald, I'll be very upset. Well, uh, indeed. Uh, I, it'd be interesting, yeah, hopefully they don't name them all, they don't do an Andy Street and name them all the Elizabeth line like uh, like he's attempted to, so uh, yeah, we'll see. Um, so anyway, this is East-West Rail, it's various phases. Uh, wait a minute, I'm going to do this, and oh, my, my Wacom's behind me and, and not plugged in, so I can't use it. It's, uh, Ella's going to be really angry at me for that. Uh, anyway, so this is the bit. So they've done this bit. This bit's done. They've, they've done that. And uh, and there's there's there's, uh, there's there's no OLE. No OLE at all. Uh, this bit uh, here is the bit that's currently being built. And um, likewise, they've explained that despite the fact this is a 125-mile-an-hour intercity railway, which should have free train frequencies of a lot, um, it is not going to be uh, electrified. As part of its works, given that that would add 10 to 20 percent on the capex, which is nothing, and it would result in a vastly reduced whole life cost. Uh, anyway, not to mention less noise, you know, more comfortable trains, so on and so forth. Anyway, that's very silly. Next, 
news item. Oh, Houston, Houston, Houston. Houston was trending today. Uh, partly, I think, because of the like Great Escape-style attack on the tunnels, but we'll get to that in a minute. Again, I was on BBC London moaning about that about 20 minutes ago. So, um, yeah, Houston, basically, a TFL have rejected... They've, sorry, uh, the Department for Transport have gone, no, no, this is not, it's not real, it's not a thing. But in the TFL, so the Transport for London uh, meeting minutes for next Wednesday, they point out that uh, the Department for Transport have been asking High Speed 2 to look at descoping options for for Houston so reducing the number of platforms uh, and essentially if, if for every platform you reduce you're you're not just reducing resiliency but essentially the simple way to look at it is you you're not every platform you take out you're also taking out a destination that HS2 can serve so um yeah so what that means it ultimately is reduced benefits to everywhere outside of London particularly it's probably the north and the northeast and the Leeds leg and the east midlands that will suffer for that so that's not good because ultimately so basically it's like a uh, there should really be a question mark there because it's not it's on the cards the DFT are saying no no it's not look we've 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 safeguarded all the eastern leg that means it's definitely happening but it isn't so the battle continues to be fought essentially for that what else oh yeah more importantly about Euston <laughs> remember to at me in the comments if you want me to spot them by the way um, uh, yes, David Shepard, you're absolutely right. If East West Rail is currently not open, no, it's being built. Uh, Oily would definitely be easier to add before it opens. Absolutely. So um, yeah, the, the protesters have dug an hole um, at Euston. Yeah, look, look at them go. There you are. There's uh, there's Dicky uh, digging his hole. Um, yeah, they've they've dug a hole. There's no idea how deep, how, how how big this thing is. They they passed the BBC camera down and then pretended that it went further than it did. So they they've dug a bit of a hole, a hole large enough that Larch Maxi in a sleeping bag can fit in it, and probably not much larger. Um, but in any case, that's a protest move maneuver that dates back from uh, swampy times. But they're applying it to rail because um, that's how successful the the, the right wing IEA and TPA have been at, at making HS2 seem get treated like a big road project rather than a new railway. Anyway, so that's happening. Uh, lots of funny pictures of that. I think they all got, mostly got kicked out today, actually. Um, anyway, what else? Oh yeah, that's right. Screenshots of Zoom calls. Uh, so the. I, I dropped into the rail. Um, the 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 all party parliamentary group for rails. Uh, um, first session of the year last night, and I couldn't hack uh, on Monday night. No, it was Tuesday night, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It was early Tuesday night last night. I couldn't hack it for very long. I was very disappointed that someone who's ostensibly in charge, one of the government's key advisors, is just not, just didn't. He just did not understand HS2. He didn't even understand the geography of it. He kept talking about London to Birmingham, and just didn't clearly didn't have much understanding at all of of where it went beyond that. And he kept using uh, one. What did he? He said. In the context of Greg Smith MP having brought up coronavirus as an excuse, and we'll get to that in a second. Um, in fact, let's flick to the next thing, which is government advisors blinkered on COVID. Um, in response to Greg Smith talking about COVID, he uh, what did he do? He said, "I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think the wording he used." He said, "And actually, you'll find that that travellers, you know, rail travellers, mostly want to be travelling between cities in the north and not to London." And I just my hand, I, I could have wept because that that's exactly the sort of phrase that people who have that, that Tony Barkley down there, and so, so John Armit up in the top right, hand, uh, top left hand corner. Tony Barkley down, Lord B down, uh, down in the bottom left hand corner, left right, bottom right hand corner. I don't know my left and my right. Everything's mirrored anyway, right? Anyway, down at the bottom corner. Um, uh, yeah, he. That's the sort of line he pedals, and he just fundamentally cannot understand HS two. Dogmatically refuses to understand it. Anyway, deeply frustrating, and and, and it shows. 
really it shows the lack of vision and, and, and also, frankly, how privileged the view of a lot of people are in government who are advising the DFT and in, the people in the DFT are thinking about the people who are locked in small flats and apartments across the country, unable to escape, desperate to get back to travelling around a lot. Just because people in their suburban large houses are comfortable and able to work from home uh, doesn't mean that everyone else should. And it also totally neglects the... Anyway, we're going to get there briefly when my face is here. So... Uh, that was frustrating. Oh, I keep doing this. I keep needing to put myself a little prompt thing. Anyway, right. We're going to, so on COVID, we're going to talk about COVID tonight. Uh, oh, there's some questions. Yeah. Richard Smith says it's nicer than to start digging the, the, the work, doing the digging work for HS2 for free. Yep. Very true. Uh, George De Silva says Martin Vickers is my local MP. Oh, right. Yeah. Nice. Um, uh, uh, what else? Um, uh, could, uh, could tell it's bad if Tony Barkley was there. Absolutely, Eurostar Lover 009. Richard Smith, I'd be utterly astounded if all four people on the screen don't own cars and use them for 99.9% trips. I couldn't possibly comment on such a thing. Um, in any case, yeah, I think Martin Vickers is pro HS2. Uh, in any case, um, without further ado, let's talk about it. Line up your questions, start chucking questions at me about COVID. It's happening. So let's get cracking for tonight's episode of Rail Natter. Hopefully it's going to be an optimistic one from here on in. Hooray! City 225 fades out. We actually have to start with... We are going to start with a, with a sombre point because um, I think it's important to... Frankly, it's important to just have a little moment to think about the 100,000 people who have died from coronavirus so far in the UK alone. Um, and actually, it's not just the people who've died. There are a lot of people who have become chronically ill as a result of coronavirus. It's not just about the people who've, who've died, those who've lost lives. But it's the people who are currently suffering from the chronic effects of this disease. This is, this is not just flu. This is a, a really horrible disease that can have a really long-lasting impact. Just because you're young does not mean you can escape from this, frankly. I, I have a, a young friend. I was at their wedding at the start of last year. They still have... Uh, chronic condition associated with coronavirus, long COVID as a lot of people call it. So this is not just about the deaths. There are hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people who have been impacted by this disease, either directly or indirectly. And I think it's worth just having a moment to just uh, just think think of them and think of the the impact on their lives and, and think, about, um, think about the choices we can make to uh, kind of respect or, or, I don't know, at least not let the the horrendous suffering be entirely in vain and perhaps learn something as a country um that's 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 if, if nothing else that's all we can do is at least attempt to learn something um but i promise we are going to look forwards and more optimistically from here on in so without further yeah let's get this up so so i'm going to go through a couple of slides just to sort of set the scene so to make sure you launch your questions through and what i'll be doing is is sort of tracing back through the questions and trying to pick them up uh, pick up anything that uh, that I can uh, in terms of thoughts, queries. Um, yes, I think I've popped up on BBC London about the clips, yeah. So 
So I want you to send me ideas for how we get people back onto the railways. I want you to send me thoughts on what's happening in Europe. I want to find out there are lots of international viewers. So tell, tell us what's happening in your area, in your part of the world, um, in terms of bringing people back onto rail. There are lots of parts of the world, well, pretty much everywhere outside of the UK is doing better than we are. Um, and there are lots of parts of the world that are are resuming normality to an extent, uh, far more than, than we are in the UK with our continued lockdown. So what's happening in terms of, of public transport? You know, it, um, what what is happening? So... While, while you think on that and hopefully send some thoughts through. Um, so this is, yeah, this is last year. This is 2020. So I, I'm sure you've all, you remember I was giving you the updates uh, in the news and, and, and what's happening. So um, let me just get my, yeah, get my pen back. So, um, so you can see, and tell you what, let me get my, see if I can plug my Wacom in without breaking things. Wait a minute. Because otherwise Ella will be very, very angry with me for not using it. Uh, that's another cable. There we are. For anyone who's joining us for the first uh, Rail Matter episode and they're not familiar with these. Uh, oh, wait a minute. Uh, are you still, still? Oh, don't worry, everyone. Uh, that's fine. Is everyone still there? <laughs> I accidentally just pushed the USB cable into the off button. Are we still streaming? Can everyone still hear me? Is it still fine? Uh, that was scary. Thankfully, Windows did the "you sure you want to shut down" thing because I had a load of stuff open. So that was a that was close. Good grief! There we are. I've plugged the USB in. Uh, there we are. Good. And press this and make that plugged in there. Thing is, the irony is, I'm going to need this for about three minutes, and then it's and then it's here. Because everyone's still here, mate. There we are. I'm drawing. I'm drawing. There we are. So I'm not going to need this for very long. Oh, good grief! And in, I'm just watching the concurrent viewers drop down after that, going, "Oh God, this this is not the show that I thought this was going to be." <laughs> oh, I tell you what, let's bring my little face in. Uh, hello, I'm, I'm up in the top corner. Hello, hello everyone. Hello, hello. Um, oh, it's a bit more dynamic now. There's there's movement. It's me with my sweaty head. Uh, very very pink with my lighting. Anyway, let's not worry too much about that. Uh, that just makes things even more bleached out. It's fine. Everything everything's good. So. Uh, yeah, Bjarne is pointing out some good stuff. We're going to talk about the Belgian uh, 12 ticket carnet soon because I think that's brilliant and, and we really need to do it. So, um, where are we? We're down here. So you can see we've got these 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 traces these traces here. Um, the green one is for cycling, and the the red one is all road vehicles. So that's like cars and HGVs. Pink is bus services, but just not not TFL. Um, and then national rail services are in blue. Here are national rail services. So uh, there are things, some things I've excluded, like I've excluded underground from this because it, it just makes, it's just a bit more messy. And I thought I'd pick out the, the kind of the five, what's that? One, two, three, four most salient traces. The cycling one is actually a, a, a moving av seven day average. So in very faint, you can see that there's like these spiky bits here because the cycling things are a lot more of a dynamic. Um, it sort of moves around a lot more. So, so I thought, so I've added these yellow things in that show what's happening. I thought to start off, um, we'd spend sort of two or three minutes talking about how the year went for transport and, and why yeah, everyone's going on. No one uses rail anymore. It's worth reminding ourselves why that is. So we had the announcement of a national lockdown. And you can see people had already started. So before the national lockdown had happened in this sort of period here, people had already started reducing the amount they were traveling around. So already before national lockdown was announced, people had be, you know, the number of people going to work had, had reduced. And you can just see, and then there's just this incredible trend downwards from, 
well, you know, from 100%, from carrying on at 100%, a bit of a dip down here. I don't know what was going on this particular time. Maybe it's just... This is the, the kind of the way that these um, these kind of match with each other is, is related to sometimes weekends sit in a slightly different way or holiday, you know, they're like bank holidays and things. So there are slight blips in the data. But because this is against, this is just a percentage against uh, the previous normal week or normal day, if you like. Hi, Simon. Uh, Simon, good to see you. Um, so let's go down here. So you can see rail immediately drops down to what is this, like like 5% or something like that? Yeah, about 5%. Um, I don't know why I drew 5% there. No chance I'm going to write neatly. Um, buses dropped to slightly more than that. And in previous rail as we've discussed that, and, and part of it was because buses because buses are formed of more uh, more frequent, uh, smaller vehicles, you know, um, or, or, you know, one bus is the equivalent of, of one coach of a multiple coach train. Um, you can do social distancing more easily. And so more people were traveling, you know, discrete individual vehicles meant that they were more people traveling and also more people rely on buses than rely on rail for commuting particularly in in the regions and so the rail numbers are represented uh, you know biased towards uh, london and the southeast really so that kind of accounts for this offset so you see the offset was much greater uh, kind of later on in the year uh, than it was uh, kind of down at the start where it's kind of this kind of constant sort of maybe five percent difference i think perhaps accounted for by uh, the regional representation of buses compared to rail, but anyway, you can see how little impact it had on on cars. In that, very rapidly, you know, cars got down to about twenty percent. You know, uh, down to about twenty percent, whereas bus was down to ten percent of, of of the previous year, and rail down to five percent. Very rapidly, uh, road usage started climbing. Rail was slower, and bus was slower. You know, these were much slower, but sure enough, they, they did start climbing. And there's a pretty steady rate of climb by the time we were going through summer. People felt like normality was, was returning. Um, There's a bit more of a feeling of, ah, right, yeah, this is, you know, we're, we're returning to some form of normality. And then obviously, less so, because things started getting bad again. Uh, these dotted lines, by the way, are like the DFT sort of uh, predictions. And you see, they're, they're kind of not, great i don't know the numbers are always um, kind of badly predicting anyway the, the, the predictions got a bit better later on in any case you can see that there's this sort of this this sort of climb and then it, and then it kind of tailed off as coronavirus started taking hold of the country again and then the rule of six arrived and from that point there were so, so actually this period here some sort of kind of where the peak of road travel which was back to 100 percent by the way i didn't hear anyone talking about closing motorways this this um from this point to here, I think there was when you started getting these regional lockdowns um, started appearing, and then those continued through. So they were kind of getting these these on and off national lockdowns, blip blipping, and, and rail again having climbed to to, to 45 percent, kind of up here. I think the, the peak reached reached sort of forty five percent. That then dropped dropped again, kind of pretty drastically. Uh, then things kind of opened up. It was a bit of normality. But again, then there is these regional shutdowns again. There's the big spike of people traveling before the national lockdown hit. And then obviously there's a huge drop again with this national lockdown. Uh, so the national lockdown lasted. And then as soon as the national lockdown finished, oh, once again, you're getting this climb. Then people realizing, oh, this is uh, this is not good. More regional lockdowns. And then obviously, and also the travel, you know, the, the, the holiday travel. Uh, and then... You know, this is the peak of, of like Xmas kind of travel going on. 
and then everything dropped off once we had the the post-Christmas panic lockdown of doom. So first regional lockdown was July. Oh yeah, really? So so actually, yeah. So so uh, good point. So this slowdown actually, you see the the regional lockdown. Uh, thanks, George. Um, regional lockdown was actually even earlier. So that's what this rounding off was. That that kind of curve, the, the slowing of the climb, started with these regional lockdowns. We've not talked about cycling. Funnily enough, cycling is pretty much the mirror image, as you might expect, of road. So you know, fewer cars on the road, people feel more safe and comfortable cycling. It's not rocket science. Uh, what does that tell you about the importance of segregation? Hmm, a lot. Um, keep sending the questions in, by the way. I will pick them up once we kind of get through this bit. I thought I'd just warm you all up and give you a chance to type your questions out. So at me into everything, and I'm going to go back through all your questions um, and your thoughts and your suggestions and your ideas. Um, I'm looking forward to the getting big face up and we can really uh, kind of get get stuck in. So there we go. So, so let me get rid of my scribbles. That was 2020. So it's not the case, you know, it's not the case that somehow rail is not going to bounce back. It was in the process of bouncing back. Even the DFT, which is, let's face it, clueless on most things, um, suggests that within one year, uh, in fact, let's go to the next slide, because, so we have, here we are, with a continuation down here, you can see rail is just kind of flatlining it. I think it's between 10 and and 15%. So it's rubbish. Uh, Road... Uh, continuous cycling is climbing a bit more again i think possibly as the weather is getting better but then this is this isn't absolute terms this is in, this is in relation to to previous normal weeks and, and days so it's a bit you wouldn't expect it to be climbing in relation to the good weather but perhaps we've had better weather in relation to last year it's it's difficult to normalize for things like that a lot of things influenced how comfortable people are cycling um so basically if we can imagine that normality resumed oh, well normality is going to resume in april that's that's sort of the the expectation april or, or maybe even may i say normality i mean like national lockdown might lift um and if we start vaccinating and and you know the, the the assumption is that within so from from whenever normality happens uh within uh 12 months uh, that's my joined up handwriting that you're getting to experience there uh, rail will be back to 75 percent uh there we are 75 percent rail usage that's within 12 months and then essentially and this is the dft so that's the, the uk department for transport sorry um and then within and then their their very pessimistic logic is within five years you'll have normality uh, again so i mean that's pretty pessimistic in my eyes and just shows how much they haven't got a clue what they're doing uh because you know uh climate change i don't know why i'm needing to write this on on uh on my wacom but i have a wacom i'm just gonna you know as ever let's just write ella's name here because ella convinced me to um uh, to get it anyway so yeah so that's the pessimistic uh, that's kind of the pessimistic view of the DFT. So that means like climbing from here. So so let's say let's say normality sort of resumes in in June and and, and we're still at we're still at ten percent. That means that like by June twenty twenty two. So you're going to see a kind of a rate of climbing kind of like like maybe like this, which is strange because that is slower. That well, it's about the rate. Actually, it's even sl- it would be slower than that. That's probably about double. It'd be more like uh, like like that, which is. Um, so yes, yeah, so if they're at ten percent, then it'd be more like like kind of this, 
Uh, and what's weird about that is that um, that's slower than the pickup rate was last year. I don't see any reason for that. I don't see why they haven't sort of assumed this 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 rate of growth again. Anyway, that's that's their that's their assumption. That's the DFT's prediction. Um, yeah, good. Sir, Sir Cora is saying normality equals previous hundred percent, or or with growth as if COVID did not happen. I think basically that they're 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 making a variety of assumptions. They they don't expect growth to resume as it did, um, which doesn't make any sense. It just sort of forget. It just imagines that the world has been radically changed for some reason, which which it hasn't actually. And we'll get to that. Um, but also, it seems to neglect the fact that we need to be. Well, we'll talk about that momentarily. Actually, but people are forgetting the fact that they um, uh, they look. Like we need to inc- double rails capacity by the middle of the year and move people from road onto it. So, if we're going to be, if we incite policy that's going to drive people onto rail, then that growth is going to accelerate. There needs to be a massive coordinated effort to bring people away from roads and onto the rails. Um, anyway, so talking of which, it's not like we're we're basically a lo- we're we're kind of largely alone in the world in seeing things like this. The DFT's bizarre pessimism and uh, driven primarily by. Uh, Her Majesty's Treasury, uh, as you'd imagine, um, is is sort of detached from what what seems to be the the, the broader reality. Because across Europe, countries are uh, are, are expanding rail system services. That you know, sleeper tra- the, the momentum towards more sleepers that was continue that was happening before COVID is continuing. People want to travel more by by uh, by rail. Actually, COVID is accelerating the interest in moving from air to rail because air is useless and horrible as an experience. Uh, flying is horrible as an experience in relation to COVID uh, because, you know, there's still, airlines are still enforcing, you know, you have to pay extra to sit next to your buddy. They're, they're kind of have, uh, I, I flew with Wizz Air once during the, uh, once last year, and it was just over to Serbia to, to see family. And it was just a rubbish experience. And then um, it was awful, absolutely dismal. No, no precautions. No one cared. Everyone got, presumably everyone got it afterwards. Just not, not very nice at all. Um, so this this is a really interesting report by UBS. Uh, I mean, they have a vested interest in the status quo. So for them to be advocating that the status quo isn't happening generally means they're spotting some things. So the so the UBS uh, UBS I don't know if I'm saying UBS uh, UBS uh, reckon that uh, the COVID nineteen will actually accelerate the shift of passengers from air to rail uh, and and increase the rate of growth. I was in a really interesting um, kind of presentation within Siemens. To, that was talking about uh, their uh, sorry Siemens I should say uh, talking about the fact that they see growth they see this as a as actually an opportunity to accelerate the move to sustainable transport. The, 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 there is there is optimism there should be optimism within the industry we should all be feeling some optimism about this. Um, I don't need the whack anymore so I'm now just wiggling a pen around pointlessly. Um, in any case, so so that's so there's a bit of optimism. I, I, don't worry, I'm gonna keep sending your questions through. I'm gonna keep I'm gonna trace back through them momentarily. So right, um, time to go big face. I think uh, there we are. It's me. Hello everyone. So let's do this thing. Uh, this is a Wacom, by the way. This is the Wacom I keep talking about. If anyone wants to see, it's very nice. Uh, it's particularly a bit of getting used to. Thanks, Ella. Uh, to to the extent to which it adds to rail natter, the jury's out. However. I have been using it for other things, and it's quite nice for doing. I quite like doing pen drawings and and things on here. Very nice. Anyway, I digress. Wacom don't sponsor me, but if they want to sponsor me, if you want to sponsor me, feel free to. You know, pocket money's nice. Um. So anyway, let's dump that to one side and pay attention to the questions. So lots and lots of of. Uh, let's let's go that through. Uh, people are moaning about the black screen. Uh, right. So I'm going to start from where the black screen was. Uh, should let's see. Actually, no. I'm going to keep going further back. 
So there's lots of ads. Uh, yes, so... David Shepard asks if it's worth making videos to debunk people with political power who say stupid things about how rail works. Um, no, because they'd never watch them. Uh, what it is, what I do is behind the scenes, I do my best to be. So I have my crazy, angry, Twittery, videoy me, but I actually do some more, shall we say, polite and steady and and uh, and more willful, but uh, how, how can we say calm. Uh, lobbying behind the scenes whenever I can. So I speak to, so I do things like speak to MPs, opposition MPs, and, and kind of explain to them what, what I hope, well, my hopes and, and how things how things work, provide them information that help makes that makes their jobs a bit easier. Uh, I input into kind of um, consult, uh, kind of, uh, you know, consultations and, and do that sort of thing. And and write to, write to your MP as well. It's always a, a good thing. So the, the best thing everyone can do is write to their MPs. Um, best thing they can do anyway so no videos wouldn't be that helpful uh george de silva asks will rail recover to pre-pandemic levels will commuting return ever well that is the question um will rail recover to pre-pandemic levels yes it absolutely will it's just a matter of how quickly we can get it to resume its growth pattern um frankly covid is is actually still just a short-term trend it will Rail will the impact to rail um, has been significant, but that's because everyone's been told to stay at home. Uh, huge numbers of people have been furloughed. Lots of people have been told to work from home and will not be doing so when they're able to return to work. I will be returning to work as much full time as I possibly can. Um, but what it has enabled, so so you know, so the first question is uh, yes, it absolutely will recover to pre-pandemic levels. The second, will commuting return ever? Yes, definitely. Um, this is not, funnily enough, the stuff that COVID has resulted in is not a new trend particularly. Transport has been moving away from the traditional commuting model for a very long time, certainly in the UK and elsewhere. People are traveling uh, longer distances, but fewer, but in, at different times of the day. So um, you'll find people are traveling more to different meetings around or they're, they're kind of commuting at a different time of the day. Um, but also in so that's in London and and people coming in and out of London. But in the regions, rail commuting was was climbing very steeply, and it will continue to do so once the once everyone's vaccinated and and some form of there's not going to be a single moment where we all think, oh, that's COVID done, hooray! It's going to be a long drawn out process that, um, and you know we've got variants and we've got vaccinations will still take a while. Government's still umming and eyeing over whether it's actually going to vaccinate everyone at all. Anyway, you know there's all these all this stuff. It's just going to drag on and on and, and internationally until it's eradicated globally. And chances are we'll need to have annual vaccinations from it anyway. So. Blah 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 blah, loop and loop. And oh, YouTube's put because I mentioned COVID. YouTube's flagged like put a flag on this saying read COVID information. Don't don't pay any attention to my immunology advice. I'm not going to give any. Um, this isn't what that's about. This is this is going to be a video about transport and rail particularly. So um, get your information, your proper information from proper credible sources. Uh, this isn't Infowars. Uh, anyway, <laughs> so uh, I just shouted very loudly into the mic, which has deafened everyone. Uh, will commute and return every year? Absolutely, it will. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and actually, you'll, you might find people are traveling. Uh, live, flexibility that this is named. You know, one bright thing of this is it's shown there are a few positives that, to take from from COVID. Things that we as a society have learned. Uh, and one of them, remind me to tell you what the other one is later if I forget. In fact, I'll do them both now, and then I'll maybe come back to them. The first one is um, that we know that big change can happen very quickly. So uh, government furloughing people and paying for their furlough is a huge radical thing. Climate change is a crisis that requires that sort of level of response. So we know that government can do things when it feels that it has to, when it feels the heat. It's just a case of understanding how to apply that heat. Number two, um, 
the ability for flexible working and showing that that can work, you know, so long as people have the choice that's not inflicted, does mean that people might choose to live further away and actually want to commute further. And if we're not going to get those people driving, we need to enable that by public transport. So they might travel into the office three times a week, say. But it means that in not having, they don't mind a commute that's maybe 10 or 15% or even 20% longer if they're not doing it every day. So it's an opportunity. It's actually an opportunity. Uh, thanks, George. Good questions. Uh, good leading questions. Uh, Altfish Mike, uh, a good way to promote travel would be to add 12 months to the end date of all travel cards. Not used mine since March 20th. Yep, absolutely agree with that. It's completely barking mad that ATOC haven't, or the RDG haven't, well, I think it's out of their purview, to be honest, but the DFT and HMT should just fund that. It's just such cheap. It's just pennies. It's just trivial money compared to the the the, the dip into, you know, the, the the dip into the national debt. That uh, I mean, it's not a debt. Let's not think about it like that. This is this is this is the time to grow the deficit and grow the national debt and kind of expand the debt burden. Is in a crisis. This is a crisis. And the, the, compared to furlough and the amount that's being spent on in the railways in general, frankly, um, to keep them moving. Uh, extending everyone's national, you know, everyone's rail cards by a year is just an absolute no-brainer. Just do it. Just do it. So that's a good suggestion, Altfish Mike. Um, Treasury have ruled it out, though, because they're, you know, absolutely, completely and totally useless, awful, awful organization that has nothing of the country's betterment in mind, just wants to have cash in its coffers for no reason, even though it doesn't and never will. Um yeah, abolish the Treasury, exactly. Uh, let's keep going down. So, Chris McKenna. Uh, get people back on rail by giving everyone around three free return long-distance journeys. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd um, totally be up for that. I think that's a good idea. In fact, I think we'll get to Belgium shortly, which did gave everyone 12 any, journey, you know, any journeys in the country. They had 12 free ones, which is brilliant. It would also stimulate the economy. Yeah, absolutely. I think giving everyone 10, 10 or 12 free tickets, three even, yeah, anything, just some free tickets... We're going to have to just push that barrier of reminding people what rail travel is like and how comfortable it can be. And everyone loves a freebie, right? I love a freebie. Uh, I just remembered I've got a load of rail tickets behind my shoulders. Uh, where are they? Yeah, they're behind my head. I've just been where is it? I've just been sorting out paperwork and piling them up in front of a load of PWI journals, by the way. Oh, and th these down here, those are just business cards. And yeah, don't worry about that. Oh, also, also, obviously, a Timpsons. Uh, a Timpsons infinite battery thing that I found probably for a watch that I no longer own. Uh, in any case, I got distracted, didn't I? Uh, yeah, free tickets. Everyone loves free stuff. So um, it would just break that barrier of people not uh, people being a bit a bit of trepidation about the rail, railways going back on being like, oh, that was good. And also, you might have the added benefit of pulling some people on who hadn't travelled by rail before. I've gone out of focus. So yeah, that would be um, that would be that's an excellent idea. I think it's a really good idea. David Shepard, uh, shouldn't we keep people off the railways and use COVID as an opportunity to do all sorts of improvement works like installing some lifts? Uh, for anyone who's not sure, by the way, just before I answer that, if you want me to pick up a question, if you add my name into it, it comes up nice and red in my comments so I can very quickly drop in and and um, and see it. So, uh, yeah, just uh, just do the do the little at and and, uh, and I'll sort of uh, and it means I catch your comment. So if you've made a comment further up that I've missed, it's because you've not at, I've not seen the at. Uh, so so just do that and I'll pick it up. How are we doing? 1935. I'm aiming for a one hour one, but we'll see how it goes. We'll see how many questions we get through. Um, so in terms of keeping people off the railways, um, it's not. Yes, we are taking those opportunities where we can. But unfortunately, you can't just click your fingers and make engineering happen. You have to do designs. You have to have the right people into, particularly, you know, human people. You know, human people, <laughs> human resources. I mean, like people 
a critical staff like testers and commissioners, signaling testers and commissioners, they there's a very long lead time on getting the, those kind of specialist skills in place on site. Uh, Kirov cranes, uh, the right cra- the, the right actual cranes, the right uh, sort of various types of logistical machines, and 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 it's not and, and fabricating bits and pieces as well to get onto site. It's not a case of clap, snapping your fingers and things arrive. There's months of lead time, so it's not quite that straightforward. So actually, and also rearranging plans can have an un, can have an un, you know, actually the, the 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 mesh of different planned upgrade works, certainly in terms of renewals and sort of minor upgrades and sort of moderately sized upgrades, all interact with each other. So mucking around with that has the potential to have a negative consequence on, you know, one renewal has a has a knock on effect on other one signaling renewal might well have a knock on effect on other upgrades. So actually, I'm less sure of that. I think it's probably for the best that we just we, we up the moment, momentum. Take it where we can, where there's a no regret project that we know we can accelerate and get on with, or, or and, and there have been changes. Warrington, I think, took advantage of, of the uh, of the closure to, to to have a more rapid. I think there was a change to the program to make the most of it. That is happening where it can, but no, we shouldn't close the railway. We don't want to unduly push people off the railway for longer than we possibly need to for for COVID. I'm going to keep going down. Oh, everyone's seen the black screen. There we are. We're back though. It's fine. Uh, I like that you have a bookmarks folder. A bookmarks folder called Engage. Oh, did you see? Oh yeah. Oh, everyone saw my uh, bookmarks. Uh, did I? Was that there? Oh yeah, that's right. Because you'll have seen it when it flashed up, and I. Yeah, yeah. Um, don't worry about that. Uh, what else? Well, uh, yeah, there's nothing sorted in there. It's just my various folders. Um, everyone's going to be screenshotting that and working out what what on earth I get up to. There's, there's, there's. Yeah, it's fine. Anyway, I get distracted. So, uh, Bjorn. Yes, here we go. Uh, every Belgian got the chance to get a free 12 journey card, two journeys per month with uh, an MBS and SNCB uh, or SNCB. Yes, um, this is a brilliant idea. It got people traveling, got people back onto the railway. It got them out spending cash. It got them having a hol- it got It almost enforced a holiday um, because no one's going to spend their free ticket on their commute because that's nearby. Chances are people used it to go and do something interesting. Uh, it's a brilliant idea. Uh, it really is a brilliant idea. And, and, we will not the government will not do it because it's a good idea but that doesn't mean we shouldn't be pushing for it hard um, and if any rail managers are watching david horn you're a legend uh maybe lnr can do that because that would be a good way to get people on i reckon i reckon if you offered two you know uh two free return tickets one is not maybe quite enough you need you need two to kind of get people into the oh this is i could do this Three is perfect. Three is like I definitely agree, Chris. I, I, as I agree with you, three because three is enough to be like one is like oh that was nice. I'm gonna do it again. Two is like oh that was quite good. Three is like oh yeah yeah yeah. David Horn, you heard it here first. LNER three free tickets. Make it happen. Anyway, the trouble is it's um, DOR. So uh, it's, oh, it isn't DOR, is it? It's some last resort operator, last resort thing. But it, it'd be nice if it did happen. Um, let me see. Uh, pedal and post. Fun fact: GWR passenger trains between Paddington and Oxford moved medical samples daily. We, uh, ah, of course, you did. Yes, uh, you're delivering for the Oxford vaccine and helped create it in a small way. Uh, rail for the win over road. Yeah, GWR had a hand in in the development of the vaccine. Uh, something they should be more loudly proud about, I think. And and pedal and post played a part in 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 that um, that process. Yeah, really, really interesting story. We should have, we need to have have uh, you and the team on actually for uh, an episode of Rail Matter definitely. Uh, Michael C. Hasn't the tube been crowded recently? There was that video was because there was a 
there was that video went around and it looked really busy. It was because there'd been a failure somewhere. So people had multiple trains got disgorged onto one platform. Um, David Shepard, if TfL is excluded, doesn't that mean that something weird could be happening in London, like trains ram full with build? No, not really. Uh, and it's yeah, it's um, yeah. Don't worry too much about the the London numbers. It's it's basically matches. There there are a lot of different regional variations. I, I've been keeping an eye on the West Midlands numbers and the Manchester numbers. They're separate. Um, uh, oh yeah, my ink color is really difficult to see. I'm I'm sorry, Lewis uh, caught. That's uh, not great. Uh, George saying first reason lockdown was July. Where are we? Uh, yes, Jamie Haswell. What does the future hold for open access operators? Could you see LNER taking over GC and HT? Um, it's my personal opinion that much as I, I love the teams and the th things that have been happening at, at GC and HT, um, the East Coast mainline is too busy for open access operators to function. I think those should be LNER services. However, I don't think that necessarily will happen. It kind of depends on the outcome of Williams. When it, whenever, so Williams' review is supposed to be now. They've changed again. They've said it's going to be published in Easter, I think, I think Chris Eaton-Harris has said. Um, uh, when I'm seeing him on Monday, so I might I might ask him when I'll, I'll cheekily ask him when he reckons what the publication date will be and see if he says anything. I bet you'd just say I refuse to be drawn. In any case, um, what does the future hold for open access operators? Uh, yeah, up in the air really. Obviously, they aren't getting the support that they need in comparison. To, or yeah, I don't think they've got any support, or they certainly haven't got the support that the rest of the rail network has got. Despite the open access operators arguably being, arguably being the only successful thing that came out of uh, out of franchise system was the open access operators, uh, ironically enough, and they've been let to, left to to rot by government. Anyway, there we are. Uh, we just can't have nice things. David Shepherd again is asking, do you have any stats on the ages of passengers who use the railway? Oh, that's a whole. That's a. At some point, I'll do a statistical breakdown episode because it's interesting looking at trends. And um, I'm going to do an episode on the famous. Uh, people started using the railway more after privatization graph it doesn't say that actually but i'm going to do one about tra railway trends and maybe we'll look at ages but it's quite difficult to pull out stats on that i think if you google it there are some interesting uh statistical figures the the national passenger survey i think the mps or the national transport survey now it's not just passengers uh i think goes into by passenger focus that um transport focus i keep forgetting they change the name they do all transport now not just rail they go into some of those stats um worth having a look at that uh presumably as the vaccine goes out the ages of passengers will be able to travel more safely i, I kind of get what you mean yeah um altfish mike i don't want to diss cycling but isn't the drop seasonal i either cold or wetter weather no because that's not um that that's as i was saying earlier it's not a it, it's not an absolute figure those are relative to last year so you'd expect okay a bit of give and take on the difference in weather but actually last year's summer wasn't the year before summer wasn't too bad was it so um no, it, it, by and large, it's just it's a difference in in many more people cycled last year than they did the year before. Many, many more. Um, let's see. Jack Pickford, do you think that rolling stock will reconfigure towards compartments instead of open plan seating? No, I don't. Um, partly because it's too it's, it's massively expensive to do that. Really complicated, uh, and and also because frankly, it's kind of the risk from being inside. Um, trains isn't that isn't isn't really that much it's much less than being in okay for longer distance journeys uh, potentially but actually you, you might if you're in a compartment sharing with someone it's worse than if you're in an open coach with aircon frankly it's it's not you know that 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 um that risk i just don't think it justifies that level of of, of disruption and potential risk to 
you know that that we we have a bad enough time procuring rolling stock in this country reconfiguring it is just another risk on top of that uh no uh, and there's a reason we have trains that don't have compartments you know generally open plan is a bit is a bit nicer and, and more flexible anyway um let's keep going so uh hello to to um tim Ball. hello to everyone who's joined david tim and and uh tim ballam and richard everyone who's uh, who's joined it's lovely love to see you all there's a huge number of people watching actually 115 of you all watching just now it's very nice to see you all um, i'm going to keep traveling down keep adding your your thoughts and comments on on the future um it's interesting to kind of unpick them really uh i'll basically just any thoughts you have i'll, I'll try and pick them up i might miss something and you can just tw tweet me later and i'll try and try and answer it there um Yes, uh, it is an excuse to get start getting cross-channel freight containerized and the creation of a network of intermodal transfer stations. Well, ideally, yeah. Um, we need to be pushing rail freight in a big way. Uh, rail freight's been one of the success stories, actually. I, I, in my rage quit of last night's APPG rail session, I, I missed Maggie Simpson talking about freight, which was a mistake because she's brilliant. I need to get Maggie on, actually. She's an absolute, one of my absolute inspiration in rail. She's one of my rail heroes. Um, her vision for, for what the... the capability of freight is her, her pragmatism as well she's not she's not as much of an idealist as me she's much more of a pragmatist um, i like to think that i have pragmatic well, when i'm off camera or not tweeting i like to think i'm a bit more of a pragmatist but uh, she she really embodies that in a, in a really positive way um and her yeah she she's she's really good on freight uh, i need to get her on and just talk, I, I just need to find a it's difficult to just say maggie just talk about freight i need to think of a more like packaged up sort of theme but um uh, she's she's brilliant we'll, we'll get maggie on to talk about freight um what else let's see uh socorot is saying oh yeah you, you asked that already we, we we saw that yes um richard smith says that five years to normality feels absurdly pessimistic yeah it really is given that we've got normality and public transport systems happening in across europe given bits of regional lockdown still in various parts of europe let alone in places like south korea uh japan uh, new zealand yeah i know bonkers uh david shepherd people losing their jobs due to the government uh, letting companies go bust will reduce rail passengers why those people need to get new jobs why would we? so yes it might result in, in some reductions in rail travel but that shouldn't mean that we then contract the service we shouldn't be assuming that those people are now just lost to the world they're going to get new jobs they're going to need actually and i said this in um uh i said this in i was in a oh i'll, I'll try, i should have put an advert for that in later i've forgotten to i was on a thing called construction cast this morning just like a nice 45 minute session with a few really top people and me i don't know why i was in it but um i was talking about hs2 but also covid and, and coronavirus and east west rail and I, and I made the point that um actually you might find that given the shake up of the job market people are having to choose to travel a bit further as a result of the changing shape of the job market so people might end up traveling more by rail and by public transport generally than they did before so to make the assumption to make assumptions that there's a contract a need a need to contract rail capacity is just doolawi not least the fact that it's just completely ignores this need to to remember 90 percent or before covid it was around 88 it's, it's probably a bit more now 90 percent of people and things move by road in this country and the largest source of greenhouse gas emissions in this country is road transport it is transport but it's road transport primarily the only way to do that is not evs don't solve that don't solve all the other problems with transport it's by shifting people towards public transport towards sustainable transport towards better buses and trains and in turn people then will choose to walk and cycle at the other end at either end of their journey as well uh eurostar lover 009 uh the french are using their tgv trains as ambulances to transport covid patients yeah i saw that in fact i think they're yeah it's almost like hospital trains uh I think did the museum tweet about that because they had still have their hospital or they have their hospital train um, 
uh, exhibition, which is very interesting. Um, let's keep going down through here. Chris McKenna is saying, oh, oh, oh I've skipped downwards. Let me see. Um, uh, oh, I've, I've got the moment. Bear, bear with me just a second. Lots of lovely questions are coming through. Uh, yes, so Chris McKenna, uh, you're assuming the UK government is capable of coordinating anything. Absolutely correct. They couldn't organize a piss up in a brewery. Um, uh, David Clark, uh, we do need to. Ah, Jack Pickford, fair enough. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Uh, David Clark is saying, is it David Clark? Are you the David Clark or are you another the David Clark? Um, there is a David Clark, a Rhea David Clark, who's if, if, if David Clark, David Clark, Rhea David Clark is joining, then um, wow. But also, it's nice to have you if you're not the David Clark. Uh, welcome, David Clark. How many times can I say your name in one sentence? We do need to drive people to rail, but our government is too obsessed with cars. I, I, possibly isn't David Clark being that bold in a statement. But yeah, it's very true, they are. Um, Graham Harris is saying, uh, indeed, especially short-haul air, train travel will grow. Uh, that's probably in context of something I said a long time ago, uh, but it makes, yeah, agreed. Uh, also, a very pro-rail, pro-green US president in office must help too. Uh, that remains to be seen, but so far, so good, yeah. Um, uh, let's keep going down. da 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 uh, Anthony Dodds, welcome to a live rail app for the first time. Pleasure to have you. Um, annoyingly, investment in rail infrastructure in this country is reactive uh, rather than proactive. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. That's because we like to shrink. When when government talks about being, and, and the Williams Review's frame of, frame of reference, it's terms of reference, sorry, um, when it first set out was to, to make the rail industry more responsive. It's like, you don't need to make it more responsive. Just make it do, ev just, just increase its capacity so that it achieves things that everyone, rather than people having to choose, oh, when's my train in it? That's in two hours. Well, bugger it i'm not going to do that then am i provide a railway system that's clock that's closer to clock face tact plan if you like um definitely need to have an episode on that too uh good grief so many things i need to write down in the poll suggestions for to for future episodes anyway um and people don't have to stress over what whether rail is a viable option because they can just assume that it basically is uh we're 49 or 50 minutes in let's see how many more we can get through uh detour is saying oh uh yeah, Deirdre, I ha I'm a you're assuming that I've configured the aspect ratio of the Wacom. I have, yeah, Ella fixed it off for me, I think. Um, where we are. Uh, when do I think... Eddie Owen's asking when I think rail travel will recover. Yeah, I can't predict the future. I don't know how long we're going to go in. We're going to play this stupid game of lockdown, failed lockdown, lockdown, come out of lockdown too early, all this stuff. I don't know how long it's going to last. It's not a prediction I can make. But um, what we're going to see in the rest of the world who are doing far better at this than we are is is a resumption of normality pretty pretty rapidly and once the vaccine starts rolling out in a big way globally we will see a return to normality there'll be a big surge in travel and a, and a good chunk of that might well be rail because people will be going oh my god freedom and running out and going um and just just going buck wild uh, with travel um i know that dean and i will be <laughs> We're going to be escaping. We've got some, we've got many grand rail tour plans across Europe that don't work at the moment, but will work once uh, once COVID uh, restrictions lift in terms of international borders and friends to go and see in various places across Europe, Vienna in particular, actually, which is good because they've all the new sleeper services that are going down there. So I think there'll be a huge there will be a big surge in in international travel uh, and hopefully associated with that a surge in national travel as well. Um, Brexit might mean that we a few more people are bouncing around on the inside borders of the, you know the coastal borders of the country a bit more, so you might have more rail travel as a result of that. Um, 
Stephen Selby, uh, Stevie and Selby. Hello to Stevie and Selby. Um, has HS2 been predicated on people mostly working remotely in the next 10 years anyway, in which case COVID wouldn't have any impact on passenger numbers by the time it opens? So it's, there's a couple of things with HS2. The first is that the main reason for HS2 is enabling all that local and, and, and regional and freight travel anyway. Um, but HS2 is about long distance travel. That isn't all business. Contrary to this constantly repeated lie from the from the IEA and TPA, um, uh, long distance travellers in the UK are predominantly people going to see family, students, uh, holiday makers, just just people generally going for kind of weekend breaks. It's not all business people. Uh, it's just a bit very bizarre. You can get the pie chart of the breakdown of what who long distance travellers are. Actually, I, I think I spotted um, Pedro J UK. Pete, Peter, are you in there? Pete has the has that those gra- and bangs his drum very firmly that that, that long distance travel is actually not is primarily not business travellers. So for the most part, people are, and again I've just talked about the fact that people might commute more because of flexible working and needing to be a bit more open minded in terms of where they travel for work post recession or during this next recession we're going to have. So that means more long distance travel. So the need for HS two has only increased add to that the fact that climate change means we need to have drive this modal shift so hs2 is vital in terms of the actual modeling uh, uh mixed mixed bag i don't the modeling is useless so i don't pay too much attention to it um so uh in terms of how that actually impacts on the the business case of hs2 who knows um i'm hoping that we just i just i just don't pay it much attention because it's a complete waste of time um let's have a look uh where are we uh michael see a video on how to effectively lobby rail investment would be great write to your mps that's number one thing you can do um arthur bomber harris uh the dutch railways are even more pessimistic thinking their passenger numbers will never get back to before they still operate at 90 percent capacity and even run night trains despite curfew um well that's very weird of the dutch heel if you're watching or listening you will be listening later i think you listen to this when you're on your way to work don't you um that's strange and it doesn't make any sense um but uh, the Netherlands is a bit more conser- is in in lots of ways arguably more conservative little c than than the UK is in in many things so uh yeah could be that they have a treasury that's even more barking mad than ours k just simply k uh, how can we get a really nice cycle superhighway alongside the wakey leads hs2 segment could it be done quickly long before any rail stuff is actually built oh that feels like a different question for a different time um uh, tweet me about that. The the well, actually, I'll ask, the, the, there never was a plan for a cycle path to follow all of HS2. There were lots of plans for for the infrastructure that HS2 created to have the capacity for lots of cycle paths. Some of that got diminished by government and by by government pushing on cost uh, reduction. Um, and unfortunately, if you're measuring everything by if you're cutting your cloth according to cost rather than according to quality and value, then you will cut out things that appear to, to you know idiots to to not be valuable like cycle infrastructure. Um, so I, I'm super keen for that. The thing to do is to lo- again write to your MP, email actively support HS2 in developing that. Go to the 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 kind of community drop-ins and say, you know, go go and say actually I think it'd be really good if you provided cycle infrastructure here. Uh, Eurostar Lover 009. The French are using TGV trains. Oh, yeah, we saw that. Uh, where are we? Uh, Memnonia. Uh, I'm really worried about heritage railways. Many seem to be suffering. Yeah, I think the heritage industry is going to be very much smaller um, when we resume, which is which is a real shame. It's an interesting one. The, a lot of people quite sensibly argued that the heritage railway industry was too big for the available number of people to, to run it um, before COVID was even a thing that we knew about. 
And my fear is that COVID will have accelerated that process, which will be a real shame because a lot of them are really important community assets. So, yeah, I do agree. Um, let's see. Uh, Treasury would be against it, but an idea where all public transport would be free. Yeah, I don't think it needs to be free. It just needs to be... I don't think it needs to be... F I mean, yeah, possibly an idea where it would be free... Um, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in two minds about that. I don't know what, I don't know what you'd think as a good socialist. I'd just say, yeah, make it bloody free. But I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, that's one I'd need to explore. I've never really deeply explored it. I'm not particularly strongly for or against that as an idea. Treasury certainly would be against it. Obviously, the reason, you know, the fact that they haven't take, take the the best chance we've had since the railways were created to scrap and and entirely recreate our fare system to be fairer, um, and more flexible and simpler. This was the chance, and obviously the Treasury absolutely rejected it and indeed pushed for the fares increase in January like they always have because they just, they're just they desperate for the idea that things are going to magically go back to normal, even though they're also planning and suggesting that things aren't going to go back to normal. Makes no sense whatsoever. Comfortable really would be better if Attachi could provide seats that maybe... I like, yeah, seat chat, hashtag seat chat is a... Is a I, need a I need a QI klaxon for hashtag seat chat. Uh, I find the new seats more comfortable. Uh, it's a matter of preference. I do agree that train interiors in the UK are completely un or in GB are completely uninspiring, and we could do a lot better. Um, uh, it is a bit like a dentist in terms of lighting inside those trains. It is a bit dentisty. Tim Ballam. Uh, oh yeah, we I, asked, I answered your question earlier. Yeah, good stuff. So going down right. Let's look for some ads. Stevie and Selby. Uh, not saying that uh, Hull Grand Central shouldn't be LNER. But uh, how would that help capacity on the ECML? It would just allow a better coordination. You know, they could, rather than competing for paths, you might find that they can optimise the timetable a bit better to run, to kind of run a more optimised service rather than sort of having the slight blipping that you get of, of yeah. Uh, it would just allow, uh, potentially allow a better optimised timetable on the, um, on the, uh, on the East Coast mainline. Deirdre, why don't you join this for the stats episode? You could be a guest on the stats episode. Um, Phil to boot to hoots. Uh, what about freight post COVID? We don't have enough lorry drivers to the continent. Will it grow faster? Um, we've had a massive logistics problem in the in in this country in terms of a, not enough HGV drivers. I, I moan about Pip Dunn picks me up on this a lot. Um, and uh, Pip, yeah, it's I, I, it's a, unless you are Pip. Phil, Phil to hoots, you could be. Uh, Pip Dunpikes picks me up this because I always hate on, on HGVs. But actually, HGVs provide a vital function in this country. You know, the logistics industry provides absolutely vital function. I do it slightly like overswingy because, frankly, we do need to be shifting much more onto rail. And HGVs are kind of bad. That doesn't mean that just because I'm saying HGVs are bad doesn't mean that, you know, I want logistics to stop. Um kind of independent of that we have a chronic shortage of drivers in this in this country and it was already chronic 10 years ago it was chronic two years ago and it's even more chronic now because of brexit and uh, you know and because and covid has also impacted will have impacted on the workforce as well so yeah serious problem and rail needs to rail it, rail freight is the chance to pick up some of the slack and to support that and to kind of shift that um it really is so um uh, let me go down here. So let's see. Uh, Richard Smith, uh, too late to do anything about it, but it would really have made sense to have been to have bought better seat. Oh yeah, <laughs> hashtag seat chat. Yeah. Um, uh, oh, I just lost one. Where were we? Uh, there it is. Mike Waldridge, uh, do you think that COVID will permanently destroy the argument for the Western Access Line into Heathrow? Um, that's an interesting one, isn't it? It had already been basically killed off. Uh, there, there are lots of overall connect. Uh, frankly. Uh, People are going to travel internationally, and I think we should. That's not going to stop anytime soon. And and 
and I don't and if we're going to have it happening, we should be if if international travel is going to continue, we should be enabling us to 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 kill off as many international sorry domestic flights as possible, if not all domestic flights. Uh, Scotland's just started trialing some the first uh, in, electric only uh, very very short haul um, island hopper plane. So the, all the fringe stuff that can't be uh, you can't get trains across the islands to the you know to the Scillies or to wherever. You need to you need to fly. Um, those can be potentially electrified, not too much in the distant future, you know, 10, 15 years. Um, whereas sleeper trains can get rid of the longer... Di- sleeper trains can get rid of the domestic flights up to Aberdeen, and HS2 can get rid of... Uh, the HS2 and high-speed rail can get rid of domestic flights entirely between the Central Belt and London. There are 170 a day, well, there were. Um, not a single one of those should exist, and it doesn't need to exist. So um uh yes uh, I'm uh, but I don't think but we but in terms of getting people into international flights I think the combination of getting rid of domestic flights we we do still potentially need an improvement to access to our, our major um our major airports so yeah I don't, I don't know I don't think it does necessarily we'll see um uh yes so let's keep going yeah David uh, fair point on the comment about people losing jobs is more that there'd be a downward blip that anti rail folks will will argue is proof yeah well that's very true. Uh, everyone look out for Richard Wellings's wild Twitter timeline. What a place. Absolutely incredible. Um, <laughs> David Clark is saying, no, I'm not the David Clark. I've come across at least five Dave Clarks in the railway. There are actually quite a few Gareth's in the railway as well. In fact, quite a few in York, strangely enough. Big up, Gareth Pete. Um, let's keep going down here. So, uh, Tim Ballant, business fly. Yeah, that's a very good point. Business people fly, uh, although hopefully not for long. People who go on holiday by train are better for the environment than people who fly. It's true. Spend holiday money in the country, therefore, should be encouraged. Absolutely, David Shepard. Yes. Um, skills gap, whole engineering industry. Yep. Yes. Yeah. Very, very key. Uh, one upside of free trains would be that no money would need to be spent on ticket machines. Revenue inspectors are working at ticket prices. Yeah, it's true. It'd be interesting to look at how much in, of the industry goes into that. Yeah. I mean, it would put a lot of people's job in a lot of sub parts of the industry. Um, uh, you know, ancillaries that are kind of not necessarily, yeah. There, there are some people who'd lose jobs if ticketing became free overnight. Let's just put it that way, which might not be a might not be a perfect situation, but um, yeah, it's an interesting one to explore, isn't it? It'd be interesting how much admin would just disappear if you got rid of. There are some smaller countries that have done it already. I think where was it? Was it um? Oh, was it one of the was it one of the low countries that did it anyway? Uh, Richard Smith, if Brexit. Have I lost... Uh, oh, yeah, here we are. Oh, I'm at the bottom already. Keep sending your, your ads in because uh, they have some fantastic questions. Dave Cardboard. Hello, Dave Cardboard. Uh, what do you think of the idea that the rail industry needs to stop focusing on selling travel station to station and start tra- selling travel doorstep to doorstep? Um, frankly, I think it's a, bit of a, it's a bit of a red herring thing. It's a bit like, no, they don't need to sell that because it's the job of uh, the transport. It's the job of the Department for Transport to be looking at that. But the rail industry should just get railways working really well. We should stop faffing and worrying about... Um, we should enable better integration with cycle hire schemes, for example, uh, better integration with bus services, but that requires de- uh, re-regulation. But no, it's a responsibility of the Department for Transport. And actually, we can see the DFT are useless. It's a responsibility of the regional transport authorities, ideally, in an ideal world. Refer back to my What Structure Should the Railways Be Anyway episode, back in episode when was it like 20 years ago i don't know there's a playlist um uh no uh, the railways should get on with doing good on railways and just increasing frequencies and making rail travel easier 
maximizing the number of travel pairs that, they, that people can do, more hub and spoke, more metroization, all that sort of good stuff. Uh, the transport authorities, the overall transport authorities, are the ones responsible for improving connectivity with, with from door to door. The biggest thing for me, uh, so I was on a Siemens sort of uh, like, uh, no, it wasn't a Siemens, it was like a conference recently. It was sponsored by Siemens, but it was, I didn't get anything for it. It was just, you know, I was just there because it's good to get some publicity. Hello, I'm a nobody. Um, but uh, yeah, so I was talking about uh, the biggest, in that, it was talking about technology and mobility and, you know, that sort of naff thing that people talk about till the cows come home in these sorts of seminars, talking shops. But one of the things I said, the, the most radical thing for me that improved my use of public transport was all of the open data going into my Google Maps because I could just go, oh, I, I literally, now Google Maps is fantastic. I mean, it's, it's not just in London. It started in London, but it's now for the whole, pretty much the whole UK, you can go into into Google Maps, go from, from one address to another, enter public transport, and it'll tell you what buses you need to get, what trains you need to get. Absolutely brilliant. I know I've busted the one hour, but I think we're nearly at the end. Just honestly, fantastic. Really, really fantastic. Um, uh, and that's what enables people to use more public transport. It doesn't need stupid mass nonsense. It just needs all the respective bits to be well connected, better integration, and authorities to enforce that connectivity. So, you know, transport for the West Midlands or transport or, or you know, uh, whatever the authorities end up being in the various cities around nexus in in the northeast for example uh, need to ensure that stations are built with suitable tr cycle interchange facilities uh, suitable facilities for you know taxis uh stuff autonomous cars just forget those the nonsense but facilities for taxis facilities for cycle interchange and bus interchange really important uh so uh where are we what was uh, da, 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 da. uh let me go down to uh let me see. Where where am I? Oh, free trains. Richard Smith. If Brexit and COVID didn't save international intermodal, uh, what could? Uh, I don't know. Bit of bit of foresight and passion from uh, from our industry leaders and and government having a clue what it's doing. Uh, yeah, it's a challenge. Logistics is always a challenge. Rail logistics is a challenge. I think the rail. What we need to get. That's potentially a good question for Maggie. Is like what rail freight is clearly good. So what's the rail? What's the freight industry not doing? What's the railway industry not doing right to enable it to grow? I think that's probably what I'd get Maggie in to talk about. And she can basically moan about all the things that the railways crap at doing that would that, that stops people. You know, for example, if I if I want to move a thing from from if I want to start moving a regular shipment from here to to I don't know to Bristol, York to Bristol. Who on earth do I contact in the rail industry to start that conversation? I have no idea. There should be a single portal that allows that discussion to happen. Um, anyway, so um, Tom Tom Yao, uh, could I hope, forgive me if I've not pronounced that properly? Uh, could could we see more ticket integration between rail and international flights to discourage into UK flying? Many of those flights are connecting to international locations. Um, uh, it's, is it rail air? Is that what it's called? It happens in France and Germany already, doesn't it? Um, yes, absolutely. I think there should be. There definitely should be, yeah. Um, Kentish Railways points out that there are two Gareths um, in their rail office, uh, the rail design office. Yeah, I can believe it. Uh, I can only apologise. Um, Deirdre, it's, uh, is it is it Luxembourg or, or um, Liechtenstein? It could be either. One of the L countries uh, that, has, that has made uh, all public transport free. It'd be interesting to get someone from said country to talk about how it's gone, actually. It'd be quite interesting. Um let me see. Uh, integrated ticketing would also be good, says Michael C. You know, e.g. tickets that are valid on both buses and trains. Yeah, definitely. I think that public transport, tic uh, ticketing should certainly be one thing. I think it'd be good to have... But but that 
rail industry doesn't need to facilitate that again that should be facilitated ticketing shouldn't really be i don't think ticketing should really be much of the fuss of the rail industry i think ticketing should be managed by a transport authority and the railway gets on with making sure that the trains and the track function right ticketing isn't isn't a thing that we should worry about as a rail industry personally uh so yeah i'm all we should have integrated ticketing across modes and between modes uh you can't ian davis you can't even take a push bike on the metros in the northeast well yeah uh i'm in two minds about push about actually taking bikes on trains certainly for commuting trains i think it's better to have large-scale cycling infrastructure and then when you so so when you're getting from your fringe where you live to the to the to the metro system you take your bike and lock it up and then you take your transport system into the center of the city and then you should be a walking no you should never be more than just a short walk from your place that you need to go you shouldn't need to then cycle if public transport was right so i'm less of a i'm less fussed about um uh yeah i'm not so fussed about being able to put your bike onto a kind of rapid transit that's my thoughts. Not a huge, I'm not. I'm not. It's not a hill I'm willing to die on. Uh, I like taking my bike on trains because I like going to places with my bicycle and doing long distance tours. So um, long distance trains need to have better cycling provision. Definitely. Uh, SZK uh, Simon is pointing out. Simon Kendler is pointing out that uh, track access charges, gauging, and channel tunnel access are the main issue. Uh, yeah, it's true. Yeah, Simon, we I'll get you back to talk about more freight as well. I'm sure Maggie will say all those things. Um, in any case, uh, David Clark agrees about metroization, regional transport authorities, but people like James Palmer may be worried that we'll end up with more schemes like CAM. <laughs> CAM has happened because of the rules about investment that government that central government has put 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 forward that that's why all of our in 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 mainland europe in the majority of sensible countries they have you know the the regional authorities have the they're allowed to raise their own cash and build their own systems if we didn't have the if that was allowed in the uk we wouldn't have stupid things like cam coming up because uh, there'd be an imperative for authorities to go with tried and tested systems um where are we? Let's see. Uh, Paul, your James. Google Maps has been uh, national for a while. City Mapper also getting there with very broad coverage. Yeah, absolutely. They're fantastic. Thanks, Paul, your uh, James. I don't know why I said your James. Paul James with a big Y. Uh, Eurostar Lover 009. Do you think COVID has accelerated the need for more high speed rail beyond HS2? Well, I would say that, wouldn't I? So it's difficult for me to give a, uh, a kind of an unbiased answer on that. But it's certainly accelerated the need. For, I see it as accelerating the need for more rail. Now that people are less comfortable with being sardined into small trains, that actually means we need more rail capacity. Um, Oh, we've got a real momentum now. It's just red, red Gareth Dennis is appearing at speed. Um, uh, Deirdre, uh, Detour, that's fine. Uh, is is Luxembourg? Uh, Liechtenstein only has buses. Uh, the little L countries make the yeah, I get those mixed up myself too. That's uh, no one's holding it against you. I don't think. Um, let me see. S M six Allegro. Uh, would nationalisation make wagon, wagon load more viable? Uh, not particularly, really. Uh, I think it would make a difference, to be honest. Um, Jamie Eldridge, how can we ensure that railway lines can be reopened more easily and quickly? Same in regards to light rail. By having a big plan, by actually deciding where we need these new lines, by not having this stupid, make a little campaign group to make a campaign as to whether your railway should appear. No, no. We should step back, look at look at the country, go right. We need railways to deliver. We need this area should be rail served because it's got this population density and this distance from a certain station, and do that across the whole uh, across the whole country and know exactly what lines need to open and then work on prioritisation from that point. Um, so the way we do that is by having a big plan. Uh, watch this space for permanent rail engineering's activities this year. Oh. 
Uh, okay, let's keep moving down. Pedal and Post. Fun fact, Elon Musk's Vegas loop goes live at some point soon if you fancy a good laugh around gadget bands. Oh, that will be funny. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, continue. Feel free to at me when that happens because I might miss it. To, to avoid the, you know, avoiding the doom scrolling. David Shepard, the government needs to take TFL's Oyster card system and reboot it as a transport card that works in every railway line, blah, blah, blah. Um, I think it should be done regionally, actually. It's one of the... Uh, I'm being pushed further and further towards um, uh, Tom... Tom... Tom off of... Uh, <laughs> yeah, Tom Tom off of uh, ODI Leeds. Uh, and I have to say, uh, Tom Forth, uh, I have to say that it'd be better to be done regionally, I think. Uh, the trouble is, government when, it, when government sees progress in that, government literally scrapped Transport for the North smart card system. Just scrapped it. The, the, the thing that really needed to happen, and they just scrapped it. So that's something that we need to be... It's That's happened far too quietly. Industry needs to be shouting much more loudly about that. Um, uh, I do think eventually we should have a national smart card, but I do think that we should start with it being regional, um, to be honest. Uh because Westminster is just completely fucking useless. Uh, so where are we? Uh, this isn't isn't Channel Tunnel offering cash incentives to get uh, forty foots onto rail? I don't know actually, Tim. That's an interesting thought. Um, uh, you know who hasn't disliked the video yet? Oh, that's a shame. Yeah, Tom Forth is who I was talking about. Sorry, I, I was getting lost in. I, I, I kept having Tom Franklin off of the Green, York Green Party in my head uh, for some reason. Uh, apologies, to both Toms. Uh, there we I've caught up. I'm there. Right. We've done one minute, an hour and 12. Cease your questions, my dear, dear viewers. I think it's time to, to wrap things up. Um, yeah. So asking about rail reopenings. This isn't the, this isn't forum for it. Pick me up on Twitter for that stuff. <laughs> no, that was brilliant. I think, I don't know what, I think we got through quite a lot there. Um, Oh, lots of freight questions coming through that are, are tangential. So I'm going to take that as a chance to, as a chance to, to move us, to move us on, um, to kind of wrap things up. Uh, that was that was good actually. Was that all right? That was that was a that was a rapid pace, wasn't it? As you can see, my face has gone even more pinky orange than it normally does. Let's let's get big face to disappear. This is the key thing we have to remember. Absolute key message to remember in all of this. Oh, COVID is is a blip. It is a blip. Climate change is the longer term trend that has a much more dramatic and scarier impact on us. COVID is a blip. Climate change is a longer term trend. Everyone who is the, the, the entire commentariat seems to um, uh, seems to think that that uh, seems to have forgotten that entirely. But uh, there we go. Uh, Perma, uh, the now the website, the permanent rail engineering website's working. I think just do a control refresh on your. Uh, thanks, Mike, for the heads up. But uh, no, do, do a control control refresh. Right. So, goes of lip clumpshades, long term trend. What else? Yeah, we need rail more than ever. More than ever, we need rail desperately. Um. Uh, thanks, Dave Cardboard. We're not we're not done yet. There's the closeout and and some of the tra little trailers and and tra for those who haven't watched Rail Natter, it it doesn't finish until the very end. And even at the very end, there's a nice bit of music. So hang out hang out with us for a little bit longer. Yeah, we need rail more than ever. Frankly, we need rail more than ever. Oh, uh, and obviously, we fundamentally need to abolish the Treasury. Just need to. That's that's two in a row where I've reminded you of that. But uh, it's very much true, very much true. Um, yeah. So let's get rid of my face again. Oh. Available on all good podcasting platforms. <laughs> uh, that was good, actually. I uh, I think um, I think that I think that that was good. I, I don't know what we managed to. It was, there was no coherence to it, but there was. I, I, I like the Q and A sessions. I like these. They're fun. Um, 
Rail Natter is the thing that I love about Rail Natter is the fact that it's live and I'm I can see you all chatting to me and asking questions apart from when I nearly press shut down on the computer. Oh, um, but no, it's it's that was fun. I enjoyed that. I hopefully have answered. So, oh, I mean, the reality is a lot of you kind of knew that stuff already, and I'm not providing any particular expertise. You know, I have no right to speak on this more than other people, but hopefully, I, I kind of maybe connect ideas that, that that are happening that maybe I don't know. Hopefully, I'm offering something into the debate for you all to sort to mull over and think about, and maybe offering some some glimpse of optimism. But I, I think we should be optimistic for the future. I, I really do. Um, what else? What, what's what's next? I think adverts next. Oh no, yeah, the, the the usual plug of Patreon, Discord, and PayPal. If you don't fancy either, um, I don't. Know, you you all know that. If that's fine, uh, twenty of you have already run off, so I, I don't need to plug that. You all know the deal. Everyone still watching this knows this anyway. Um, you get sneak peeks and all sorts, and and Discord is the Discord is chaos, um, including everyone shouting at me to play this game, uh, Nimby Rails. Everyone's told me that I need to play it, so I will do a stream at some point over the next couple of weeks um uh yes uh I, I will do it i promise i promise what else oh yeah oh it's my face me looking very dramatic there uh it's i did a podcast uh for uh, uh it's called track talk um and it was for um rail technology magazine and it's gonna be out at 2 p.m tomorrow uh, and it was I, I, I really enjoyed it hopefully it's kind of interesting uh i talk about i talk both pessimistically and optimistically about the future so it's maybe worth, um, yeah, hopefully worth a listen. Given that loads of really actually important people have been on there, like transport ministers and goodness knows who else, uh, the idea of me going on this is hilarious. But in any case, uh, it was it was a really interesting chat. Hopefully, hopefully some interesting stuff going in there. Um, so that's that. What else? Oh yes. <laughs> Obviously, uh, you all have to be watching. Uh, hopefully, you all watched um, Tim. Uh, it was a really lovely episode la- uh, last night. Really lovely. Um, just such the pacing is. I, I didn't think I. I didn't think I was. Um, uh, oh, I'll, track talk. I'll send the link by the way for the thing previously. Um, the 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 pace the, the pacing of the new series. I didn't think it was an, the previous series. I thought it was fine. I, I I thought the pacing was fine. But actually, I've noticed now. I've really enjoyed the fact that Tim's allowed to really explore and sink into these places and kind of share them with us in a bit more detail than previously. So, um, talking of which, you have to pay attention very closely to um, next week's episode of of uh, of the architecture the railways built. I'm grinning because I'm very excited for it, even more excited than I normally am for for uh, for Tatterberg. But um, yes, so so tune in. On which theme, actually, I'm pleased to say Tim is going to be back. He's joining us again. Episode 47 of um, of Rail Matter. Well, this is a busy um, busy thumbnail, isn't it? I might have to I might have to fo- unfocus the thing in the background. In any case, uh, the architecture of the railway is built to as in series two, justifies Tim returning to Railnatter to talk about things, uh, to talk about the series. He's, I, I don't know what he's got in store. He's not sent me any anything yet, so I, I'm looking forward to finding out what, what things Tim shall share with us, the little tidbits. But um, last, last year's Tim episode was like the most watched episode, both live and in terms of overall views ever for Railnatter and continues to hold that record. Um, more even than Jeff, for those of you who count, um, but no one should be counting because you know these things are all different. But um, it was uh, it was it was a fantastic episode, and hopefully Tim will come and share share some more tidbits. I'm looking forward to it. It should be very very exciting. Um, yeah, let's get let's get Big Face back. I'm back. I'm back, everyone. Um, 
that was uh, that was a fun that was a fun episode. I think I enjoyed that. Uh, yeah, thanks for all of your questions. Uh, thanks for your feedback as well. People seem to enjoy that, so that's very good. Um, yeah, I uh, I can only sort of I can only really sort of say thanks to everyone, and and I'll see you next week for for so next week is like a double whammy. If you, you'll have I, I someone will be guesting on on the architecture the railways built, and um. And I uh, and Tim will be guesting on Rail Natter, which is like, you know, it's a bit like David and Goliath. But uh, in any case, <laughs> all, all it remains for me to say is is thanks and goodbye, everyone. And take good care of yourselves um, and uh, and have a nice weekend. Enjoy the rest of the week and have a nice weekend. Take care. Cheerio!